Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Readers will find a rare look at what went on in a mental institution in the new book, Challenges, The Norwich State Hospital Closure with Unpublished Facts and Fallout. The author, Wilfred Zanavich, is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Wilfred, thank you for being here with me tonight. It's a pleasure to be back on radio for a while again, I'll tell you. I hope people still listen to it because uh, it is a joy to talk to someone about my book. Well, it's great to have you, and believe me, radio is alive and well. So can you tell me about challenges and what you've written about? Challenges began when I discovered two copies of actual reports of what went on in the Norwich State Hospital here in Norwich, Connecticut. Based on these two reports, and these were dated June and July 1953, I decided to write a book. The title, Challenges, is intended to challenge the listeners as well as the readers and books and tourists that come into the area to come and see for themselves. I call it the results of an institutional shutdown over 20 years ago. And these institutions, the mental institutions, were shut down by the government and the idea that everybody had rights, certain inalienable rights. So if these people were a little off, uh, they could be in public. But the mistake they made there is they didn't think about the fallout. Now, these were hundreds of patients that were not released all at once. They were trickled into the system. But what happened is that it literally tore a city apart. And you can see the evidence of that until this day. This certainly is a glimpse into a different era. And I could only imagine the amount of research that went into this. So how much research was involved? How long did it take you? And and was it tough to dig up all these details from so long ago? I live in the area, okay? So I can say it's based on my observation and experience of the decline of the area due to government policies. Is this the first book you've written or had published? No, this is the third book I've written. Oh, congratulations on getting another one out there. How's it feel for the first time whenever you see your book up on bookshelves for the world? Well, I hope to see it out there. I hope people are interested enough to come and see for themselves what happens when decisions are made. Now, I will say this. I quote President Trump in there when he said he saw the results, what happened when he lived in New York City when they shut down an institution there. And when I say results, it's just people that were deemed insane that were put in these institutions. They let them go. <laughs> so looking ahead, are you working on more writing projects? Well, I've got a germ of an idea for another one. I don't know the title of it, but I've got some great ideas. So do you have any advice now for aspiring authors that want to write, want to get their book published? Well, just get out there and do it and, and try to find a good publisher or you know someone that's willing to help you to put your book out there. My basic premise is like everybody else, I like to make some money on this thing, and I want people to learn from it. Absolutely. That's important. And it is important what you've written here. It's important to bring awareness to the area and what certain things over the years have done to 
really bring a decline. The name of this book is Challenges, the Norwich State Hospital Closure with Unpublished Facts and Fallout by Wilfred Zanavage, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Wilfred, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great speaking with you. Well, thank you for having me, and I mean that. And Good luck to everyone out there. The true story of a girl raised by baboons is what you'll find in the new book, A Story of Hope. I'm talking with the author right now, Rita J. Taylor, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Rita, thank you for being here with me tonight. Very pleasurable to do that. Could you tell me about A Story of Hope? A Story of Hope is a moving story about a young woman who had a life experience that none of us could even imagine. Her childhood, she was sold at five for a wife, and from that point on, she had tragedy after tragedy, which ended up she was forced to leave that situation and go into a forest, and baboons eventually took her into the family where they raised her for a few years. Due to circumstances in the book, which will be shown if you read it, she had to leave that for her own safety and for her own health. And then her story continues of one bad thing after another. And it is unbelievable she has even lived to tell this story. And when I met her, I could not believe what she had gone through. But it has all been documented, so I knew this could not be made up. It sounds so outrageous, but her spirit and her love has brought her to where she is today. And the experiences she has from the supernatural to God's touch on her life, which is only explainable by supernatural, and it has a very wonderful ending. Where did this story come from? This story came from Swaziland, Africa. We have a mission school from our church over there, and my daughter and her family lived there for a year. Ten years later, she decided to go back to visit where she had stayed for just a year. And when she had decided to go back, I wanted to go with them. But what happened when I got there, before I got there, I injured my knee. I tore my meniscus, so the reason for me to go there to help ended up totally not in my plans. That God had another plan. And so because I couldn't do physical work, I had to sit a lot. And I met this beautiful woman who was on campus at the time. And she sat down and talked with me. And she was learning English. So there was a long time of interpretation of her, what she meant and what I understood. But I asked her permission if I could write her story. And she gave it to me. So this is how I met her. Are you publishing more? Or are you writing more? I am on hiatus right now, but I have plans to write more. I may continue a second saga with her story as things are really happening where she's at right now. And I have been asked by several people. They seem to want a second book. So I may start that this winter. This sounds like a really amazing story. I encourage readers to check it out. This is A Story of Hope by Rita J. Taylor published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Well, Rita, thank you again for coming on the show. I had a great time chatting with you tonight. Oh, thank you so much, and I sure enjoy it. And I do really wish that people will read her story because the proceeds help her as we speak now. 
Miscommunication is at the heart of many conflicts, and author Gordon Gatherer gives insight into our interactions in his new book, Diplomacy, Cause and Effect, The Art of Communication. Gordon's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you, Gordon, for coming on the show tonight. Thank you so much, Mr. Graham. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell me what your book's all about? Diplomacy is a collection of theories and stories and ideas and concepts about the importance of diplomacy and communication in our society, how we communicate with each other, with ourselves, how we interact in the normal world. How did the book come about? What was uh, your inspiration or how'd you get the idea? Well, my travels throughout the world and my uh, experience in show business, I've been an actor and a writer and director for more than 30 years. I've traveled the world. I've got the chance to see many, many different cultures. I work with kids and adults from different groups and organizations all over the world. And my experience in working with people, motivating people, and helping people to uh, achieve their goals and be inspired. So all that collectively gave me the inspiration. What sorts of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? Who was your target audience? Well, basically, I thought to target uh, couples, teachers, directors, anyone basically in the communication field. could be a, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, because it's important how we communicate with each other, how doctors communicate with their patients, how teachers communicate with their students, uh, families interact with each other on, on that, that level. Is this your first published book? Uh, yes, it is my first book. I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations on that. What were you feeling seeing that it's out there and it's on shelves for everybody to read? Well, it's actually a dream come true because I, I was hoping for so long to get this book out. I have a lot of experience and a lot of uh, energy uh, to share with the world in terms of what I feel communication and diplomacy means to us as a society. Do you have any advice now for aspiring authors that want to do the same thing? Well, my, my advice is, is simply this. People do things for all kinds of reasons. Uh, to make money, to become famous, to grab opportunities, to, to pretend to be important, and to try to create some fictitious view of themselves and what they feel they are, they are trying to say. Before you write one word, you should think about which one of these people are you. Are you a person who is trying to make money, or are you someone who is trying to send a message and try to change the world and bring humanity and bring togetherness to the world. And once you do that, look in the mirror, you know, look in the mirror and see what looks back. And the answer will tell you. Do you ever get stuck for ideas in a writer's block situation? And how do you deal with that? Well, basically, I, I've been very fortunate. I usually come up with ideas all the time. But uh, I say when you a writer's block is simply a, a moment in time to rest. Because you can't always write, write, write. You have to take time to think about things and, and regroup and and just let your, trust your, your spirit and trust your intuition to guide you in the right direction. Would you say there's a specific person in your life who has most inspired you on your writing journey? Well, yes, actually, there are two people who inspire me. Um, Franklin West and uh, Drayden Pierce, they are two colleagues of mine, but they are authors and directors. But they're also men of great spirit and great wisdom. And they have been writing about very important issues in our society in terms of families, communications how we deal with our children, how we look at our history as artists and as a people. So they've been very, very inspirational to me in terms of writing something that I feel could be uh, can touch lives. Are there any final words that you have about the book for our listeners? Just that I hope that you will read it. I hope that you will somehow become motivated and inspired. Maybe something in your own life you can think about that may relate to my stories or what I've been through. 
but basically just to try to find the power and the wisdom that we all share and we all have within us and to do the best we can to be a good person and to try to do the right thing. This is Diplomacy, Cause, and Effect, The Art of Communication by Gordon Gatherer, published by Fulton Books. You can get this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Gordon, thank you for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much, Mr. Graham. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, you and your family. An autobiography of an inspiring life is author Don Marie Deshaies' new book, Finding the Sun Through the Clouds, Sharing My Journey. I'm talking with Don Marie right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Don Marie, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you so very much for having me. So this book is an autobiography. You've had quite the life. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> quite the life is correct. The book is my autobiography of my entire life from age two to 52 years old. And it goes through the entire emotional struggles of everything that encounters almost everybody's life. But with mine, it encounters being born extremely ill and living a life of never knowing what's going to happen to me throughout the years. And I decided and when I was 51, I was going to write my journey. And not only did it heal myself, it's been able to heal others around the world. So is this the first book you've written or first time published? No, this is my second book. My first book was called Living with Phantoms, A Journey to the Truth. And the reason why I called it Phantoms is because I live with multiple sclerosis. And I did not know I had multiple sclerosis until later in my 40s. So living with the disease for 20 years, I always called my symptoms the phantom because they did not have a name. So while I was writing that first book, it was basically the perfect title, Living with Phantoms, and capitalized the MS for multiple sclerosis. And then I continued on to write Finding the Sun Through the Clouds, which is my journey of finding the positivity of life moving forward with a destructive and debilitating disease of the central nervous system and brain that is destroying over 3.1 million people and counting worldwide today. What was editing like? I would think that editing your own life would be difficult. It was very difficult. And actually, my son, Robert Joseph Deshays, um, was my editor. And he's a young author himself. He basically, as a young child, watched me grow up living in pain and never knowing what was going on. So he was the perfect person to be my editor. And he did a great job. It took us three months to edit the book. He was also my editor with finding the sun through the clouds as well. So yes, he's been amazing. That's wonderful to have somebody close to you, partnering with you in your writing journey. Yes, that's definitely, I believe, a very unique experience. I don't know how many other people have a child being their editor and helping them. You know, he wasn't a child at the time. He's a young adult, but it was definitely a moving and emotional experience. And also him editing and helping bringing certain chapters to life where I may have lost those memories, but he remembered them. It was intense. It was emotional. And it was something that I will treasure forever and never forget. 
Do you think there'll be a third book? Yes, there's actually a third book on how I live my life today and my positive outlook of no matter what life throws at us, you just got to look at every day with a positive attitude. The moment you wake up, if you put that positivity into your brain and say, I love you, or I'm going to get this done today, and I'm so proud of you as you're looking in the mirror at yourself, it will trigger amazing responses to the brain. And at that moment in time, you will continue to move forward in the day with light and love. So that is what the book three is about that will Fulton Books will be doing with me. And then book four is an outline right now, and it's called The Comeback. It's basically the story after finding the sun through the clouds. Well, thank you for taking everything that you've gone through in your life and using that to reach out and to help and encourage and inspire people. Thank you so very much. It's definitely been an amazing journey, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. This book is Finding the Sun Through the Clouds, Sharing My Journey by Dawn Marie Deshaies, published by Fulton Books. You can find this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Dawn Marie, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great talking with you. Thank you so very much, and I hope that you have an amazing day and finding your sun through your clouds. The new book, Youth Gone Wild, is the story of a boy's life that got way out of control. The author, and the subject of the book, is Robert Bob Sorensen, and Bob's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Bob, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. So Youth Gone Wild is the story of your childhood. Can you tell me what goes on? Absolutely. Born in the 1960s, northwest side of Chicago. Born premature, so I did not have an attempt to connect with my, my uh, mother. And uh, long story short is uh, the first part of my life, I was bullied and beaten and lived a pretty strange and tough life until I discovered heavy metal music, which changed my mindset and allowed me to take over my, my uh, the trajectory of my life. And I went from a nice, quiet, little bullied boy to uh, <laughs> out-of-control teenager as a result. What was it about the music that made you identify so closely with it and adopt it as a lifestyle? Uh, just the power, the strength, the difference between the music that was being played in the 60s and 70s, uh, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, those kind of groups that came out, and they just, it just had a great, powerful sound. It really just took over my mind. It was almost a religion to me when I was uh, midway through grade school. Is this the first book you've written or the first time you've been published? It's the first time I've been published, yes. It's, uh, it's been a dream of mine, a bucket list item for many years, and I finally sat down and got my stories on the paper. It was great. About how long did it take you to write it? It took about uh, six months, start to finish. Was it difficult digging up all the old memories, going through your childhood, and how difficult it was again, or was it more of sort of a healing? It was, uh, in my mind, more therapeutic than in anything else. It was good to, to, to revisit those uh, thoughts and to get them down on paper and share them with my friends and family and, and hopefully many other readers. And now that you've been through it, you've written your first book. It's up on shelves for the world. Do you have advice for authors that are looking to do the same thing? Write about what you, uh, you like, what your passion is, and just speak from the heart. Now on the horizon, is there anything else you're thinking about working on? Another book? Absolutely. There's been just a tremendous outpouring of support for my book. Uh, many of the fans are asking for a sequel. And matter of fact, I started putting a timeline together for that, putting down some of the stories in rough draft form. And uh, I'd like to have something published sometime end of this year, early part of 2021. Fantastic. 
Now, while you're writing, do you ever get stuck and find yourself in writer's block? And if you do, how do you get out of it? Well, that's easy. I, I, I just put my uh, pen down and uh, listen to some of the music that changed my life. And it comes it brings all the memories streaming back into my mind. It really triggers a lot of thought. What would you say to the critics of heavy metal music? We saw it so heavy in the 80s where it seemed people were so against heavy metal music and its image and its look. And even today, there's still a lot of resistance to it. What would you say to the critics? I say listen closely to the music, listen closely to the words, listen to the message that you're trying to send. Don't don't dismiss it just based on the fact that it's different from some of the traditional music. There's so much being said in those words and the sound that I, I think that if people take a closer listen to it, they see it and hear the same thing I do. Is there a person you can think of in your life that was most inspirational during your writing journey? It was a friend of mine. Uh, it was in fifth grade. He had two older brothers. Uh, when I went to visit his house, I, I was uh, in one of the brothers' rooms, and that's where I heard the uh, music for the first time. Actually, the first song I ever heard was Deep Purple Burn, and I thought it was the, the craziest, most eye-opening thing I'd ever heard. And as a result, I went out that same day and bought that album. I still have that album in my collection to this day. So I thank my friend and I thank his older brothers for exposing me to this music and changing my life. And I have to thank you for telling your story to the world and reaching out to help others who may be experiencing the same sorts of issues and things that you went through. So thank you for that. The name of this book is Youth Gone Wild by Robert Bob Sorensen, published by Fulton Books. You can pick it up on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Bob, thank you for coming on the show. I had a great time chatting with you today. I had a great time talking to you as well. Thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. A Woman's Life is Turned Upside Down, in author Monica E. Simmons' new book, It Happened in the Hill Country. I have the opportunity of talking with Monica right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Monica, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Can you tell me about It Happened in the Hill Country? Well, sure. Um, it Happened in the Hill Country is a tale of romance and suspense. It's set in the incredibly beautiful Texas Hill Country. And the story centers on a young woman named Jill who returns to Wind River Ranch, where she was raised after she breaks off an engagement she had in Dallas with attorney Stephen Conrad. And uh, she's determined to be a single independent woman, but her resolve to do this is pretty much uh, dissolved when she meets former professional baseball pitcher Dave Wilder. Got a lot of intrigue, suspense, romance. Like I said, it's set in the beautiful hill country. Mm. How did the idea for this book come about? I was in uh, Dripping Springs near Wimberley, Texas, in the hill country for a wedding a couple of years ago. And just, oh, I've always had a vivid imagination. So I kind of started putting the outline of the story together when I was there. And it just kind of fleshed out from there. I love horses. Haven't been around a lot of them, but a friend of mine breeds Arabian horses, which I think are just exquisitely beautiful. So Wind River is home of Wind River Arabians, which is the largest Arabian breeder in the nation, actually in the world. Of course, it's fiction, so Wind River doesn't actually exist except in this book. <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about writing is that not only are you taking your readers on a journey, but you're living the journey yourself. Absolutely, yes. So is this the first book you've written? No, I actually do a lot of writing in my day job, which is in media communications. My first published book was a compilation of true stories from property managers who work on site at apartment communities 
kind of a day in the life, the good, the bad, and the ugly tales. And I actually wrote that as a fundraiser for the American Red Cross. Um, it happened in the Hill Country as my second romance novel. Wow, that's fantastic. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors? Yes, people ask me that all the time. You know, how do you get started? They think they have a great idea. I think everybody's got at least one good book in them. I think just like Nike says, just do it. Sit down, kind of flesh out an outline. And, you know, the outline that I use, it's a very fluid document that kind of ebbs and flows and can take some unusual twists uh, as the story evolves as I'm writing. It's like anything else. Just, just sit down and start and go from there. So are you working on more to be published? Yes. The Hill Country was actually my first romance novel, and I pulled it back from being published because I wasn't quite happy with some of the things in the story. So that positioned another romance novel that I'd written called 30 Love to be kind of put out first while I worked, while I kind of retweaked Hill Country. And uh, I'm working on the sequel. Actually, it's finished to 30 Love, which is called Match Point. That's at uh, Christian Faith Publishing now. I should have that in the next couple of weeks. So super excited about that. And I'm working on uh, Forever Deuce, which will be the third book in that trilogy. Well, that's wonderful. We're looking forward to that. This is It Happened in the Hill Country by Monica E. Simmons published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Monica, it was great chatting with you tonight. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. You have a wonderful day. Author C.J. Higginbotham's new vampire novel, The Undying Truth, The End of the Beginning, is in stores now, and I have C.J. right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. C.J., thanks for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having me on. I'm actually really excited right now. Oh, so am I. I'm excited to be talking with you, too. So can you tell me about The Undying Truth? Um, The Undying Truth is a huge adventure, man. It's about this young boy who's been bullied and he goes through a crazy time in his life. And he gets put into a whole nother school, man. That he just gets put in dangerous situations and just trying to make his way through life and protect his family, keep everyone safe. <laughs> it gets a little crazy. How did you get the idea for this? I, when I was younger, I was just going through a lot and I ended up talking to my mom about it. And she told me to go ahead and just write all my feelings down. And I'm just not the one to write in diary. So I actually came up with this idea of a boy going through all this stuff. So just kind of developed into what you're reading now. So this is the, your first book then? Yes. Wow, congratulations. Yes. That's a big deal. Thank you. Being published for the first time. How do you feel about it? It, uh, Man, it's a dream come true. I never knew what I wanted to do with it, but I've always been passionate about writing it. Just seeing my work, being able to send it out for everyone else to read, it's just mind-blowing, really. So do you have any advice now that you've gone through the whole writing and editing and publishing? Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Uh, yeah, just write what you're really passionate about and keep going. You'd be surprised about people who share your views and your thoughts and someone will eventually pick it up. You just have to keep pushing yourself and never give up. Now, what did you do whenever you would be writing and get stuck for ideas, get some writer's block? How did you deal with it? Um, I really just stepped away from my laptop and 
just really let it all go. I quit thinking about it and it really relaxed my mind. And then I'll just get an idea like, oh, that's what I want to do. I can incorporate that. Then I'd sit down and just run it through. Sometimes it took a little bit longer than others, but that's normally how I deal with it. Are there more in store now? Are you continuing to write? There's just my first book. I'm actually writing three different books right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> in between a little, yeah, little bit of an overachiever. But... That's great. Well, I encourage people to write as much as possible. It's so good for you, and you're getting your message out to the world. Yes, for sure. So are you a fan of this sort of genre, or do you explore outside of the genre? Yeah, I uh, kind of read anything that really grabs my attention. I like mysteries. I like uh, Hunger Games was a book that I first really started writing. Uh, I do more watching uh, vampire stories than read them. I know me and my sister talked a lot about Twilight books back in the day. So do you have any final words for listeners about your book? Give it a shot. There is something for everyone within the book. I don't go for specific people or specific moral views. If you're big into family, if you're big into romance or almost anything, then it's in there for everyone. Well, I encourage everyone to check this out. It's called The Undying Truth, The End of the Beginning by C.J. Higginbotham, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, CJ, thanks for coming on the show tonight. It was great chatting with you. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I'm talking with author Greta Gates Lumpkin about her new children's book, Jack-Jack Goes to School. Greta, thank you for being here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable tonight. It's great to be chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us about what goes on in Jack-Jack Goes to School? Well, it is about a little energetic dog named Jack-Jack who goes to school with his buddy, his old pal, Maddie Matt, and puts a smile on all the children's faces in school. How did the idea to write this come about? Well, when I got Jack-Jack, I mean, he was an inspiration to me. He came into my life at a most vulnerable moment, and there was a connection with us. And he puts a smile on my face to keep pushing and moving forward. I know he'll do the same for others. About how long did you work on the book? Well, actually, it took me a couple of days, and it was done. That's really efficient. Yes. How was it working with the illustrations? It's such an important part of a kid's book. The illustrations, oh my God. Fulton Books, they are amazing. They are amazing. I will continue to work with them, and I recommend them to all aspiring authors out there. Well, that's fantastic. Looking down the road, are you thinking about writing another book? I am. Stay tuned. I am. I'm excited. Is this the first book then that you've published? It is. It is. It's the first of many more to come. Oh, congratulations. It's such a huge accomplishment, especially when you see your book up there on shelves. How do you feel about having your work out there for everyone? I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for the young audience as well as the older audience. It reflects on everybody. My goal is to put smiles and, and laughter and, and to bring happiness, to bring happiness to all. And now that you've gone down that path and your book's out there, do you have words of inspiration or advice for other authors who want to do the same thing? Most definitely. I encourage them to go for it. Go for your dream. Go for what inspires you and make it happen. Just make it happen. 
So you wrote this first book in two days, and that is fantastic. Did you ever deal with any sort of writer's block situation? No, really. I just got the idea, and I just got creative with it and just started putting my words on paper, and everything just started coming together. So what made you to decide to go the children's book route, and are you keeping with that as you write more books? I am. What made me decide to go with the children's route is because I love children. I love the smile. I love to see the smiles on their faces, and I love their laughter, and I love them to be happy. It's all about being happy. So would you have any final words for listeners about your book? Yes. Buy my book and many more to come. You know, therefore, it's my pleasure to touch the hearts and souls of children and parents around the world and to bring laughter and joy into their hearts as well. And we certainly need more of that in our world. So thank you for putting this out there. I encourage listeners to check this out. This is Jack Jack Goes to School by Greta Gates Lumpkin, published by Fulton Books. You'll be able to find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Greta, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for having me, and be blessed. Author Gerald Tamada tells of God's special relationship with children in his new book, God, Dogs, and Rainbows, A Bedtime Story. Gerald is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gerald, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on tonight. Well, thank you for having me. So, can you tell us about your book? My book is about when Grandpa is asked by his granddaughter, who is God and what God is like. He proceeds to sort of go to our story to tell them about how God sends messengers and messages to Earth to remind people that he's still here to be a part of their lives. How did the idea to write this come about? Well, actually, my granddaughter had asked me a question about who is God when I, when I talked with her. I had a hard time explaining to her who God is, so I do prayers every morning. And when I tossed that question up to God, the dog came out, I guess, in my prayers. I sort of decided to find out what, you know, who God is. What I explained to her who God is, what I felt he was, and it came out to very similar to what the dog, and it was a message. The dog is almost like a messenger for God, I felt. So I, I told her to sort of relate to her relationship with our dog, and she sort of understood it a lot more, almost like hands-on. That's basically where I got my idea from. Yeah, I can see this as being a great resource for parents and having something like this to say, hey, let's go read a book, and it'll tell you all about it. That would be great. Yes, I, um, and that's one of the reasons. Actually, I wrote the book. to. I, I never intended to be an author, I wrote the book to hand something down to my granddaughter and my grandson, something that I could leave with them that really meant something in their lives. And and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. After I had written the manuscript, I was telling some of my customers, I own a store. They, they read it and they eventually told me that I should send it to a publishing company. So I did, and this was almost like a joy for me because the message... I wanted to tell people about God because it has helped me tremendously in my life. Because my wife got ill, this is when I started getting into it, about five years ago. My business was about to close and I brought God into my life and it has helped me so much that my business is back on track, my wife is better now, and 
I just wanted to spread the word that, hey, you know what? He is here. He really is here to help you. You just have to accept him. That was one of the messages I wanted to leave with my grandkids, something they can pass on to generations. And now, as well as leaving it for your grandchildren, you're also leaving it for the world to read. It's out there on shelves. How do you feel? When I first published it, it was an, I felt like it was an outlet for me to get my message that I wanted to tell people. You know, whether they took it, whatever way they took it, it was a message I felt that besides my family and friends that I could tell, it, it went out to the public. That made me feel really good. I, when I first got my book, oh, good, good Lord, I, I cried when I first held it. It was just overwhelming emotion that I had. It's certainly something that outlives you and gives you a legacy and certainly an important thing to do. Looking down the road, are you writing more, thinking about doing another book? Actually, I have two more that I'm, I'm, I'm writing in the midst of writing. And, you know, a lot of these books that I write, are, they're just questions that these kids ask me. The next one I'm writing is about prayer. Does God hear you? I have a scenario there saying that they've asked for things, but God doesn't, he's not giving me, so does he hear me? And I tell them when it's time, he will, he will give it to you, but don't think that he's not listening to you. He hears you. Absolutely. This is God, Dogs, and Rainbows, A Bedtime Story by Gerald Tomata, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your books. Well, Gerald, thank you for coming on the show again here tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. I really hope that the message, and they can relate to other people too. A girl's imagination takes her on an adventure. In author Angel Gillum's new book, I Think My Neighbors Are Robots. I'm talking with Angel right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Angel, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. I love the title of this book, I Think My Neighbors Are Robots. Can you tell us what it's all about? Um, actually, it's called, like you said, I Think My Neighbors Are Robots. It's about a little girl who believes that she has robots for neighbors because she sees a little girl who she believes is made out of metal. But in all actuality, the little girl has braces on her legs. So it's real cute. It rhymes. They become best friends. And she pretty much just learns not to judge people. So that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. So... Where did the idea for this come from? Um, I actually used to teach preschool, and um, we had a kid that came to visit. Um, they Sometimes people would come and just tour the school and everything, and the little girl was that came to visit was in a wheelchair, and the kids looked at her like she was an alien or something. So I had to get down and play with her, you know, and show her that, you know, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just a little different. So once I played with her, they started playing with her also. They were all over her chair. and. This one little boy, he messes with the little foot pedal that you put your foot on, and he's like, hey, this looks like a robot arm. And so it just came from there. When they took a nap, I literally wrote it in about 10 minutes. Once I, like I said, showed them that it was okay, that she was the same as them, just a little different. Everything was fine, and like they were just, they became the best of friends with her. So. Well, there's some really important themes you're touching on there, you know, not only you know, working with people with disabilities, but also teaching children that their imaginations can often run away with them Definitely. and often turn little things into big things and it can snowball from there. Definitely. You're right about that. And I have a, 
eye disease myself. So it touched on a lot for a lot of people, but especially for me as well, because I know how it is having my own disability. So I just felt like the world needed a few more books, you know, with kids with disabilities and things like that, because everybody's not perfect. The kids needed to see another side of people just when they're different or when they feel that they're different. Getting published for the first time is such a huge deal. How did you feel when you saw it out there on Amazon? It's on bookshelves. Oh, my gosh. I cannot ex- I can't express the feeling. Like, I, I literally have no words, and that almost never happens. It was uh, the best day next to my daughter being born. It was probably the best day of my life just to see your name on something that, you know, that you took your time with, that you had to come up with and create. It's really like a child. And so to see that come into reality is just, it's mind-blowing. Well, looking down the road, are you working on publishing more? Um, Yes, I actually, um, like I said, I think My Neighbors Are Robots is the second book that I actually written. So the first one that I wrote, I'm going to actually publish that one second. I have a title, but I think I'm going to wait because I might change it. But hopefully I'm praying that by the beginning of next year that I can start to have that one being published also. Well, thank you for using your gifts and your talents to reach out to children and teach them some really important things. And I encourage readers to check this one out. This is I Think My Neighbors Are Robots by Angel Gillum. This is published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Angel, thank you again for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time talking with you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'd like to welcome back to the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Renee Goodwin. We're talking about her second book this time, Gigi Meets Her Match, Becoming Forever Friends. Renee, great talking with you again. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So what do you have in store this time for Gigi? Well, Gigi is invited to go visit her loved ones, and she's told that there's a big surprise waiting for her there. It then becomes a forever friendship when she meets Leo. Now, of course, Gigi is based on your dog, and this is a series of stories. So where did the idea for this particular story come from? Well, actually, I do have Leo also. When Leo and Gigi got together in the backyard just playing, I just saw the stories uh, unfold. They would get on the playground equipment and slide the slides and run, chase each other, play ball. It's just really entertaining. The first book was Gigi Cleans House. It was a lot of fun. And was there anything different this time around about either writing or publishing your second book? Well, I just saw the visuals of them becoming friends. They run beside each other and they share their food and nap time. They just love to be with each other. And I thought, what a wonderful friendship. And I think it's a great lesson for children to learn to see the specialness of having friends and being together. I know it's meant a lot to me in my life. I know you have a great imagination and you just love writing these stories. But do you ever get stuck? Do you ever try to write a story and you're just stuck for ideas and writer's block? And then how do you get through that? 
Well, if it does happen, it only lasts for a second because Gigi will be up to another exciting adventure and off we go. (laughs) (laughs) So never a dull moment, never a shortage of ideas while you live with Gigi. No, no. In fact, I sometimes can't get them written down fast enough. And (laughs) I think, now what was that? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) So what age of children do you think is this best suited for? Well, you know, I feel that the Gigi's Life Lesson Storybook series has potential for babies when you first start reading to them. They're great read-aloud stories. They're wonderful for preschool children for na- before nap time and also for elementary students to be able to begin reading. Now, of course, Gigi and now Leo have been inspirational in writing these, obviously. But is there a person in your life that's been really inspirational to you during your writing journey? Well, actually, my father passed away a few years ago, and I just feel his spirit within me saying, Renee, you need to write these books. And actually, book three is called Gigi Takes Action. Practicing Health Safety is dedicated to my father, who was a physician for over 40 years and dedicated to all of the healthcare workers out there during this pandemic time. Gigi Takes Action helps children better understand fighting the virus and the different health measures that we need to take. I'm mentioning the pandemic. We were talking here before the show, and you mentioned that you had set up a special website because you just can't get out as much as you used to be able to and connect with your readers. That's true. All of our book signings have been postponed. So I created a website called ggstorybooks.com where my clients and, and, and readers can go online and they can order Gigi Meets a Match, Gigi Cleans House, and soon Gigi Takes Action. And I can personally autograph them for them and then mail them to them. Well, that's fantastic. And I love it that we're all getting creative and how to keep in touch with each other and keep connected because that's really important. This is Gigi Meets Her Match, Becoming Forever Friends by Renee Goodwin. It's published by Fulton Books and you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Renee, thank you again for being here on the show. Fantastic talking with you here again. Appreciate you having me. Look forward to another visit. Thank you. I'm talking with author Cece right now, and her new book, A Little Dose of Grace of Jesus, Volume 2, is out now. Cece, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you as well. Can you tell me what your book, A Little Dose of Grace of Jesus, Volume 2, is all about? Uh, Each book of of Jesus, all of them is a little dose of something of Jesus. They're all Christian written books. They're all about life experience. Millions of people go through things in life and they walk through it all by themselves and they think they're all alone. But they are not alone. God has grace for everyone in their life at every time and need in their life of them. And a little dose of grace is the grace of Jesus. And it tells about situations that I personally might have went through or others that I know and contacted that told me their testimony and I gave it back to God. Who were your target readers for this book, and why do you think that they would be interested in this? Because millions of people go through things, and they don't share it. They hold it, and they carry it. They walk around carrying it. But somebody else went through the same thing, and they were all overcomers in Jesus in time. Is this your first published book? No, sir. And how long did it take you to write this one? About a year. Have there been any personal life experiences that have affected what's gone into this book? 
Um, yes, there are. There are some in each and every book. So what motivated you or persuaded you to sit down and write this and get it published? Because when I was about eight or nine years old, I used to write poetry as a child. And I had some published when I was a kid in school books and different pamphlets. And I had one poem that was published in a book. And then for a long time, I had gave up on writing. I started not to write. I started just living and going through situations. Well, when I went through a devastating life situation, when I got back up, God told me to write. I was curious about, I said, what I'm finna write about. He said, write about the healing blessings of me. And that's where a little dose of Jesus every day began. It began with my everyday living. So what was the most rewarding aspect of becoming a published author? It's not about the money. It's just about the healing and the publication of God because God is awesome every day in everybody's life. And most days we don't give God credit for the things we do. Most people think grace was, um, they woke up this morning and they know they take grace for granted. Grace was God allowed us to wake up this morning. Somebody else had a million dollars in their bank account. They went to bed last night. They had a ticket going on a cruise today. They didn't wake up this morning. I had $10. I got up. What advice would you offer to other aspiring authors? To pursue their dream because someone needs to hear about the tasks and trials that they had in their life. And it might not be exactly the same, but something is going to relate to them as they read. And they're going to start looking in the back of their minds and they're going to see what they went through. And they're going to identify and it's going to be healing for the next person. This is A Little Dose of Grace of Jesus, Volume 2, by CC, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your books. CC, thank you for chatting with me tonight. Have a blessed one. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.